Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <coughs> mm. Good. <clears throat> Need a little drink Just, or something? Oh, probably. I probably shouldn't have quit drinking 18 years ago. It's been that long. It's been a long time. Mm. It's It's been the life of a person who could serve in the military since <laughs> I had a drink last. Huh. You got any, yeah. got any, got any Hitler material? <laughs> Do I ever? <laughs> I've spent the whole last week just reading about Hitler and getting ready for our podcast. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This one's going to be different. It is going to be different. I'm committed to it. Okay, I, I, I got your song. You ready? Yeah. <clears throat> John Roderick is on the line. He's ringing a bell most every time. That's amazing. Mm. It almost made me cry just like the real one. Here today. <sighs> That's one of my all-time favorite bridges. It's, it's insane. It's insanely good. <sighs> that you know, uh boy, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. I don't you know, I don't I It got I, me through I, my divorce. I don't want to mine. That was my that was my divorce sorrow. record. My divorce record. You know, it's a record about him being divorced from his mom. Oh, uh the uh XO. Yeah. Yeah. That and uh, that either or record. You see, this is going to be a downer now, John. I want to start. Okay, over. all right. Let's get away. Let's get away from Elliot Smith. Ugh. Go right to the fact that we are both lucky guys, happy, middle aged guys who are lucky to be alive. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I look around. I'm alive, all, but, you know. All I see, <laughs> all I see is absolute horror. <laughs> I cannot live. I cannot die. Everything's great. <laughs> Metallica lyrics. Uh, you know, ever since we started trying to do this podcast at night. So I, I, I should pick up the dark answer. <laughs> Darkness imprisoning <laughs> me. Was, uh, I think that was Fade to Black. I think that was the suicide song. <laughs> and man, and Kirk, Kirk's in the back just hammering, hammering, hammering. They it just was turned... one. It's, it's one. That's a, that, those are lyrics from one. The, the, uh, the... I think I was playing. Well, you know, every Metallica song is essentially the same. It starts out, well, it's not wrong. a song. Well, I mean, if you had to do, it's not like Nickelback crazy, but you could, it starts out with a, like a single funereal guitar. And then you get two or three more funereal guitars. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, especially did, on the early records. Did I ever tell you that? Did I ever tell you the story about the time I was sitting around a campfire in the Czech Republic? I must have told you the story. <laughs> uh, you know, I, on that alone, I can't say. There's just so many stories. <laughs> so, uh, Is this in anyway, the Balkans, so I'm, John? I'm walking across the Czech Republic. And As you I, do. <laughs> and, I, and I run in to some teens that are they're out so i'm out in the fields right walking through some fields and i find the or i run into these teens and they're out there smoking cigarettes i guess or or it's a boy and a girl and they're looking for a place to neck and they went out into the fields to do some necking and i run into them because i'm walking and so they start walking with me and they kind of adopt me i'm they're like i'm the the, the crazy american that they found out in the out in the field and they take me back to their village, which is a small little village. And they say, Hey, why don't you hang out with us? We're going to have a campfire spaghetti party. 
And then after that, may, maybe you can Camp, stay at Getty party. Yeah. Is that no? I'm, I'm sorry, John. I don't interrupt you. Is that a translation error? I, I had never heard of it. But I had never heard of a campfire spaghetti party before. That sounds like three nouns they just learned. So I was intrigued. Okay. And and very and the and the icing on the cake was that this kid was you know he said maybe you can stay at my house. Oh. After the party, and I was like, oh, very good. I would I would like very much to stay at your house rather than to sleep in a field tonight. So I said, sure, I'll go to the campfire spaghetti party. And so I'm hanging out with these kids and the sun is going down and, and they lead me through the village to the other side of the village. And sure enough, there's a campfire, a bonfire and a bunch of kids are there. And, uh, so we're sitting around and pretty soon somebody whips out a guitar (laughs) and, uh, and then even soon, in Czechoslovakia, they have that guy. So, yeah, and pretty soon somebody shows up with a pot of spaghetti. <laughs> that, that they didn't. It's not like they cooked it at the campfire. Somebody showed up with a pot of spaghetti. <laughs> Everybody gets a bowl, and then, uh, to my horror, to my everlasting horror, something I had not, I didn't realize about Eastern Europe until that moment, which is that uh, they they hand everybody a bowl of spaghetti, and then. Then the bottle of ketchup goes around. Oh, so it's just it's noodles in a bowl. It's spaghetti in a bowl, and, oh, and then and then the sauce that they expect you to put on it is is just ketchup. Like they must have seen it in the movies, and this is a popular dish. In the, we in must make this pasta red. That's right. Put some red sauce on it, and what do we have? We have we have catsup. So anyway, so we're eating this this disgusting you know spaghetti and ketchup, and the guitar is going around, and and these kids who found me out in the field. You know, they tell all their friends, he's a musician, because I made the mistake of telling them I was a musician. This is 1999? Yes, 1999. And so everybody's in a hurry to get this guitar to me, like, oh, get it, you know, play us a song, play us a song, play us a song. And I'm demurring and saying, I don't know any songs. All the only songs I know are songs I wrote, and you don't want to hear any of those. And they're like, no, 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 play us a song, play, you know, American singer guy, play us a song. And I know better than to do it. I know it's the wrong move, but I'm really on the spot. And so I kind of, you know, acquiesce. They hand me the guitar. I'm like, I'm shy. And I'm like, all right, I'll play you one of my songs. And they're like, yeah. And everybody gathers around. And there's 25 kids around this bonfire at this point. And I play Mimi. Oh, no. Which is the only thing I can think of to play. The only song I can think of at that moment is Mimi. A song of my own composition, and a, a beautiful, layered, nuanced, non-campfire song. That's very that's generous of you. Yes, but the, it's the, a beautiful the, song. But it's it's it is truly not a campfire song to play for a bunch of Czech teenagers. Maybe on Halloween. And I and you know and I'm playing it and I'm getting the vibe from around the campfire. I'm getting the non-acceptance vibe, and so I'm. Play, you know, I start to, I'm closing my eyes and the sweat is beating up on my forehead. Like, I'm really blowing it here with these kids. This is my big moment to audition my, my music for these teens. And I get to the end of Mimi and there's like nothing, just like, like a 
like kind of polite applause and some grimaces and the teenagers who were so proud of me a moment before I was their big catch and their American guy. Now they're just embarrassed by me. And the guy sitting next to me almost grabs the guitar out of my hand (laughs) and launches into Metallica. Uh, What's the stupid song from the Black Album? From the from their, their what's their big hit? Oh, Enter Sandman! No, come on! <laughs> and and do, it do, is do, like do 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 and and all of a sudden the whole vibe changes and it's like it's like James Hetfield is there. They are so excited. All these kids are so thrilled that this guy can play Enter Sandman, and I just like. <laughs> I am invisible to them. I have become... Now it's creepy that I'm there. I'm 10 years older than the oldest person at the campfire. And now I'm like some creep. Wait, 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 wait. Let me play one called Blanket Hog. (laughs) And I sit there just kind of stewing in my own flop sweat and shame. (laughs) Slurping on ketchup and pasta. (laughs) You know, like trying to eat as much ketchup and pasta as I can because I've only been... I've been living on leaves and snails for the two weeks prior. And then at the end of the campfire night, and you know, and also I don't drink, which is which is incredibly suspect in any campfire situation. Like the old creep in the molester glasses who doesn't drink and who he's played, waiting for everybody else to get drunk so they can flip him over. Yeah, and 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 and, and we gave him a guitar and he played this song when it, and his tears were mixing with his sweat. Uh, like everything about it was wrong. And then at the end of the night, it starts to rain. The campfire party splits up. And the kid who, you know, the kid who was like, maybe you can stay at my house. He's like, you know, okay, come with me. And he's really reluctant because I'm an embarrassment to him now. We go over to his house. He says, wait, wait here. He goes inside. He comes out 30 seconds later. And he's like, oh, yeah, my mom says no. Oh, no. After all of that? Yeah, now it's the middle of the night and it's pouring rain. Did you play the song? (laughs) I should have stood under I should have stood under her window and gone Mimi <laughs> So so the kid walks me across the street to like a grain warehouse that his grandfather owns apparently. People die in those all the time. And the kid can't open the door. So he says, Well you can sleep here on the covered loading dock. And so I unroll my sleeping bag on this concrete loading dock under a, like, arc light, like under a loading dock light. And I lay there in the rain on this cement loading dock. And I think, I am at my bottom. (laughs) This is it. You got got shown up by a check boy playing Enter Sandman. I said, I have found it. I've found my bottom. Here it is. And you're not even, the thing is, and you weren't even, you know, drinking at the time. Yeah. And the thing is, I I wasn't even close to my bottom, Merlin. I had no idea. Were there other campfires? Uh, Just on the trip, you just always found a new low. There was a a new low. Is this before you slept on the beach in uh, Nordvik? No, it was after that. Oh, wow. That was was the bottom. That was was my prior bottom. No, this was a new low. But the, the following morning, I woke up, and I, it, it wasn't even that I woke up because I didn't sleep. I just lay there on this concrete pad kind of like uh, uh, tossing and turning until the first 
first light of day. And I got up and I started walking. I was just like, let me get out of this shame hole. <laughs> and it was, and the sun was out. It was a beautiful day. The rain had stopped and the roads, it, there were those little country roads, you know, the roads had all that steam coming off of them. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the rain was just, just done and the sun was coming up. You get that like sulfur smell. It was a, it was a, it was a, a absolutely beautiful morning, and then I I come onto this this road. It's like one one lane blacktop road, and the road is completely covered with tiny frogs. What? Like, like covered like a blanket, so that I cannot walk along the road without stepping on frogs. And the frogs are all tiny; they're like the size of a of a silver dollar. Ugh. And so I couldn't walk. I couldn't kill these frogs. And I had to just stand there in the road and watch this migration, this like tide of emerald green, silver dollar frogs. It, uh, it, it was like an hour of an hour of my life watching this. You're going to be thinking that whole time, right? Well, yeah. You, you're I'm thinking about frogs. You're thinking about spaghetti. You're thinking about your bottom. I'm, I'm running the whole, I'm running it all, you uh. know? And, and while I'm sitting there, like a car drives by and kills 10,000 frogs. <laughs> you bastard. Um, but yeah, just a, that's just a day in the life. Well, this must happen to you. I mean, not the frogs, but I mean, you know. No, that happens to me a surprising amount of time. The frogs. Frogs. Now. Happens all the time. <laughs> Here in Seattle, every once in a while I look out my window and it's, and it's, For us, it's up snails. to the doorknob. For us, it's snails. <laughs> you know, we talked about the ants, but, you know, the snails, um, a couple nights ago, you know, it, really when there's any amount of moisture, but especially rain, it's just the whole ground is just covered with snails and they're, they're all fucked. They don't have a chance. In San Francisco? Yeah, I caught a high school kid setting one on fire the other day. What? Yeah. My, my daughter and I were playing at the playground, and him and his, uh, him and his uh, droogies are, were hanging out at the, <laughs> at the five-year-old's playground. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I see what they're doing. My yeah. daughter is now running over to the next playground, and I walk over, and I say, uh, what you doing there? And he's like, yeah, he's late now. He's late now. Uh. I said, is that, a, is that a snail? He goes, this is a slug. So you're, you're putting, putting a lighter to it, huh? Yeah, I said, might be time to look for a girlfriend. <laughs> Which is a great go-to for when you're talking to young men. It really yeah. pretty much always works. I got a letter. Did I tell you this? I got a letter from a kid. Mm-mm. I got a letter from a kid who who said, uh, I was, uh, I was uh, following you on Twitter, and uh, you said something on Twitter about all men being terrible. Or you said something that men are worse than women. Apparently, I tweeted in response to somebody who was saying that men are bad. I think it's a pretty safe statement. And I said, men are, men are worse than women. And so this kid sends me a, uh, an email. And he says, <clears throat> I'm a, uh, he didn't say how old he was, but I inferred from the letter that he was, that he was a, a young person in college. And he said, uh, I am a young, I'm a young straight guy and all my, all, all my friends are lesbians and they are always telling me how bad men are. And I want to stand up for men and be a good example of a, of a, of a good straight guy. But sometimes I wonder if it's even possible. Mm. Can you advise? And I said, I wrote him back. I said, I advise you stop hanging out with lesbians and get a girlfriend. No question. Yeah. Because the best way to demonstrate. He's not helping anybody, John. The best way to demonstrate that straight guys are good is to be a good, is to be a good straight guy. 
to one person. Don't don't try and don't, don't try and convert. Be a good straight uh, straight guy to one person. Just be a good straight man. Let, let it to begin with me. Person. That's right? right. That's right. Start start being nice to one gal that you like. Mm. Don't try and don't try and impress all the lesbians at your high, at your school about how great you are. Go find one girl and be nice to her. And uh, he he never wrote me back. I think he's probably stewing over my advice. Well, I would love to reach out to that guy and really just give him a smack. Because I'm just guessing a lot of those ladies had, had to sit around and listen to him talk about why girls don't like him. You know, I, I, I've, I've been that guy, and I, I've been looking to, to protect everybody's rights. And it was not good for anybody. I remember a time when all my, fr- all my, all my closest friends were lesbians. And I was their I was their straight boy mascot. We used to have a name for that that we can't use anymore. Oh, what didn't was... you have a name for that? It's well, like I guess I guess I guess there's a spag hag. yeah, I guess that would be uh, hag, uh, uh, hag hag. Maybe you'd be the lesprez. Bag hag lesprez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please address all correspondence to John Roderick. Oh, the last press. <laughs> yes. That's what I was. I was the Guys, last let's play volleyball. And I don't know what the heck I was. You know what I, what it was was I was sitting or I was I was hoping that that I was hoping I was going to. I don't remember what it. Maybe, maybe I was thinking that some of them were gonna were gonna get over being lesbians, but I don't think that was it. I think it was that I that uh that I. I well, it's. Uh, I think it's this. It's the same thing with the fag hags. You think that you, it's the, you get to interact with somebody who is the opposite sex, where the issue of sex is not present. So you're, you're off I, the hook. I, I think it's, it's totally. It, it makes a hundred percent. It makes a hundred percent sense if you like to dance. It seems mm-hmm. to me that, that in either of those situations, fag, hag, or lesbian, it makes a lot of sense if you just want to go out and dance. And I have did fun. like to dance at that time. See, and that, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to keep using that term that we were using because uh, it's normative. But, uh, but I think lesbian though is new. That's pretty good, and it's solid. I think we can we can use it, and it, because the the people that will be offended by it are are going to it's going to take it's going it's going to take some time for them to get caught up with how smart and funny it is right. and then they can be offended by it but by then we'll be let's just stay away from PETA. um but you know what uh, actually you you are onto a couple things first of all uh, a thing we've talked about in the past is our both of our if i perceive this correctly for you as well as me um our ineffectiveness at uh well first of all starting out being kind of like envious or angry about mm-hmm. our friends who, who, who were sexually potent, right? Remember talking about, uh, you know, the, 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 our friends who were going out and, you know, finger banging and stuff and how we Ugh. felt kind of betrayed by everyone oh, I'm involved. I'm so mad at them still for I'm all still, that finger yeah. banging. No, yeah. I was, I was heavy, real heavy. And, and, uh, but, but I think that's, there's a part of it, but there's this other thing that is not, I think it, it uh, exists without respect to any given gender and uh, sexual orientation mix-up, which is that everybody's always kind of in the back of their mind thinking they're going to be able to flip the client at some point. Mm. And mm. I think it's, I think it's, it's true. you you see it on all conceivable sides. You know, it could be that, you know what, even could be somebody who's married, like look at all the, especially, I guess it seems mostly women, but, but men too, who are like, Oh, they're going to divorce, divorce their spouse. And we'll finally be able to go, you know, yeah, we'll be together. Live live on the Isle of Man together or whatever. And yeah. but I mean also I think there is 
The Isle of Man, is that a fantasy for people? I don't know. I, I really pulled it out as quick as I could. Yeah. I would Google it, except my keyboard is still broken. John. I ordered the thing that you said. How? I, I ordered it from my phone. Use your telephone. You can shop from your phone now. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that yeah. a lot. Anyway, it's <clears throat> it's probably a rat hole to get into, but you know it's really not so far away from Guitar Guy. You know, um, you sit around and and you have a really mixed up idea about where you should be focusing your attention, and then what you should do once you've gotten that attention. Yeah, it really yeah. it really is an affliction, and it's there are. There are a lot of things that make me cringe about every aspect of my life. But if if I'm really if I go back and I and I allow myself just for the blink of an eye to think about those kinds of times, those are the ones that really really make me cringe. Yeah. Are, are the times when I got it really really wrong, where the times when I was guitar guy, or the times when I thought I was you know uh, speaking the truth to to power, you know, because I I, I couldn't finger bang. Well, I was thinking about this the other day. There was a, a there was a, a a pretty long period in my life where I. When I was in the company of a girl that I liked and she liked me and it was clear that we liked one another and we were going someplace down the street, we were walking somewhere, I would put my arm around her and she would put her arm around me and we would, we, we would attempt to make our way down the sidewalk in that three-legged race cadence of a tall guy with his arm around his girlfriend and her with his, her arm around him. And there is absolutely no tempo or pace that we can walk comfortably in that configuration. Like her hip, she's going up and I'm going down. Her hip is bumping into me. Like those people that are able to walk down the street with their hands or with their arms around one another. You're talking at, like, like the, the freewheel and Bob Dylan. Like, like yeah, when yeah, you and a girl yeah. are walking down the street and that, acting like that's something you could do for more than half a block. Yeah, I've got my hand on her hip. She's got her arm around my waist. And we are crashing into each other like <laughs> two battleships tied up to the same dock in a storm. Like there is no... <laughs> and you were. <laughs> there is no... There is no... Like the, the sidewalk is just this stormy sea. And yet we feel because we are young and in love that we should be walking this way we should be embracing as we walk down the street and I, I realized the other day it's been 15 years since i made the mistake of thinking you could walk down the street side by side with your arm around somebody mm -hmm. like it's not a problem anymore because it's simply something i don't do but for the first 10 years that i was romantically involved with girls i was always in this posture of like oh here we are again like two two pool balls in mm. a crown royal bag <laughs> <laughs> and there's you know and that there's sounds just, like my grandpa <laughs> there's no way there's no way to make this work well and, you ever seen somebody try to walk two different sized dogs like you get like what like like an akita and a shih tzu and it's impossible to walk two dogs of, of different sizes. And it sounds like what you're describing, even in the best of circumstances, you have the same size, you have the same gait. It's going to be hard. But 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 you were the uh, the uh, the Akita, the Afghan, the the Borzoi yeah, in that situation. Right. The thing to do in a situation like that is to put a saddle on the Akita, Akita, and put the Shih Tzu in the saddle, and then you, <laughs> then then you are everybody's fucking hero. I think a lot about riding dogs. Yeah, and dogs yeah. riding other dogs. We're, my daughter and I were talking about this. How fun it would be if dogs could ride other dogs. I think I think dogs can. Those those fucking dogs live in people's purses. Yeah, they probably love a chance to ride another dog. Yeah, just the just the immediate contact. The problem is that a dog big enough for me to ride 
<laughs> would be the size of a brown bear. And then it would basically a dog the size of a brown bear is a brown bear. <laughs> you look like a Molly Hatchet album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have a battle axe yes. and, a, and a helmet with two horns you on need, it. You need a you need a big brown Frisetta bear. I'd be I'd be riding a bear. Oh my god, why why can't I do that? <laughs> you should, if I may say, consider trading in one of the hoopties and making a down payment on a bear. I, I've, I've, what kind of mileage to get out of bear? I mean, like, I've known a, bear a lot tired? of bears. I've seen a lot of bears. I've known a lot of bears. Mm-hmm. I have <laughs> never seen a man ride a bear. <laughs> come to the if, ca- come to the if, Castro. If a man had ever ridden a bear, I think I'd have seen a picture of it. <laughs> I've seen bears playing like footsie with husky dogs. Yeah, I've seen a bear dance to a violin. <laughs> I have never seen a man ride a bear. That's funny. As, as a child, I enjoyed that show, Gentle Ben. And, oh, yeah. and Gentle Ben was a big bear. I think he was a nice trained bear. TV bear. TV bear. But I mean, the thing is, you you can I mean, you can stare down an animal with with dignity and respect. And mm-hmm. and you know, it seems like in the fullness of time, you could not only get it on your side, but it could get you on its side. You there would be a relationship there where, where you could. Just literally, I think you could go probably bareback on the bear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and just wheel right up to Josh's office on a bear. You know, if I, people if I would could, treat you so differently if you had a bathrobe and a scimitar and you were riding, literally riding a bear. Listen, if I was if I could ride a bear, <laughs> the last place I would go is my indie rock record label. <laughs> Where would you start? I, I would not. I would. I would be so far away from indie rock. I would be the guy who could ride bears. <laughs> I would be be a fucking parade everywhere I went. I would go immediately to downtown Seattle. Oh, the library. And they would, you know, they'd be closing streets. You don't like that library. You should march, you and your bear, and we've got to get a name for the bear. You and your bear should just march right into that library. Here's the problem with that library. Yeah. uh, The the traffic flow is so constricted, there is no place you could ride a bear into that library. (laughs) Bears are maneuverable. You you would ride this bear right into an escalator uh, alcove. But bears are like ferrets. You ever seen the way they wiggle around? I saw a picture the other day of a ferret that someone had given uh, some kind of steroids to. You don't have a keyboard. Well, I'm looking at some of this stuff on my phone. I have to (laughs) admit that I'm surfing the internet on my phone. Okay. And so, so the, the picture was fairly small. Maybe I didn't get this right. Was it moon-faced? But, but this ferret looked... No, it had grown really long hair, and it looked like a toy poodle. Oh, no. It was a, it was a ferret with, like, with a big white afro. <laughs> and now picture that the size of a bear. Yeah. And now you've found... You know what I'm talking about, though? My friend John... <clears throat> now you're talking my about friend, the, cover, the cover of Heavy Metal Magazine in 1982. There's no question about it. They, they would restart the franchise. They would say, listen, <laughs> I know we don't have a lot of dough right now, but apparently there is a man in <laughs> Seattle who literally rides a fucking bear. 50,000 watts of power! There's a one-way ticket to bear rides! You know... And I have to say that, you know, it seems to me that once you become, for example, once you become a horse person, let's be careful here. Once you become someone who's horsey, who's horsey, horsey you get a horse and then it's, it's kind of like uh, comics or models or, or rubber girls. You want to get more and soon you have a stable 
of of horses. I, I got to tell you, you got a big barn. It could probably use a little bit of work, right? You're not using it for that many like specific things right now. You're not hanging it's, meat or anything. No, it's Vespa storage right now, but it's full of Vespas. But you could scoot that aside. I, I mean, am the I'm the hor- I am a horse person of Vespas. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but you could also, uh, I mean, like you've got that vet in the family that takes care of alcoholic horses. Could couldn't you couldn't you conceivably with your vast uh, rock and roll money couldn't you have like a stable of bears that your whole family could ride around on? Have you ever have you Merlin? Have you ever seen a bear? A bear is bigger and tougher than people think. A bear is a, a bear is, is big. Yeah, it's very big. Even a small bear is big, and they're also they're. I mean, I'm not going to say that they are fully clever. Oh, they, they they pick up. They're like raccoons. They're, they're like they are like big clever. raccoons, and they pick stuff up real fast. You know, a raccoon is kind of like a little bear. A raccoon is a little Nazi bear. That's right. Isn't that what they're called? Little like yes, yeah. yeah. They call them. Uh, r- we we r- got r- back to Hitler. Right, raccoon. Right, raccoon. How long has it been? It's not even a half an hour, and we're back to Hitler. Twenty-eight fifty-two. Raccoon Scheissen. They call them. Um, no, no, no. I, bears, but bears, the thing is a bear. You think about a bear. Most people who think about bears, they don't think about bears. But when, if you do, you mentally picture a bear. You, you picture this kind of, you know, large, elegant, like fairly like sleek animal with giant claws. But the thing is, they're real blobby. They're real like, they're almost like a, like a big whale and they got a horse-like kind of like tapered neck. And they're super fucking scary. If you ever are, see a bear out and around even doing nothing, they're terrifying. Are you describing a bear that from just having read about them in books? Oh, it's from would, a, yes, from a, C- trans- a C.S. Lewis thing I've been that working were translated on. from a different language. Yeah, it's, um, it represents Isaiah. Did I tell you that? Did I ever tell you about the time uh, that? Uh, <laughs> so, so <laughs> let's assume you haven't. I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of all the times that I have been literally tracked by a bear. I got nowhere to be, <laughs> but give, give, give me, give me a good one. But one time, so I have a, I have a very good friend. I've mentioned him on the podcast before, never by name. He, he is, uh, he is uh, probably, um, well, he's, he's a close friend and also he still lives in Alaska. He's by far my closest friend who still lives in Alaska. And he has a cabin that his father built on a small lake in the shadow of Mount McKinley, or Denali, the Great One, hmm. the largest mountain in the in the in the North America, and uh, it's a little little teeny cabin up on this lake, and they uh, they named the lake after themselves, his father, the family, because if you have if you have a lake, <laughs> what are you going to call it? You're going to call it Small Lake. You're going to call it Dark Lake? No, you're going to call it, you're going to name the lake after yourself. And that's what they did. But the lake is too small and too, well, it's not too small to land a float plane on, but it is too (laughs) small to take that float plane back off. Hmm. Right? You could set the plane down. It's like a float plane lobster trap. Exactly. If you landed a float plane on this lake, it would be that float plane would would live there forever. And so this sucks because if it was a little bigger, it would be it would be pretty amazing to be able to get into this place so much easier. Exactly. And, and I mean, this, that, which is to say, get out easier. As well. If this lake was one acre bigger, mm. and you could take the plane off, then this this cabin would be. I mean, you'd be it would be the Hilton of uh, 
Alaska cabins. But as it is, the only way to get to this cabin, there are two ways to get to it. One, you can float down the Chitna River to the Chilitna River to the place where the Chilitna forks into the Talkeetna. <laughs> and then pull your rubber raft off and hike in five miles through the Devil's Clubs. Or you can, in the wintertime, you can land your ski plane on the swamp that is two miles through the forest to the little lake. So you land the ski plane on the swamp. But the problem with that, the problem with that is the swamp never completely freezes because it's always kind of like methane you know, like earth farts. Dig a bot. Exactly. It keeps the ice from ever being solid. So you can land the ski plane on the swamp, but you have to kind of keep the ski plane moving a little bit. Because if you turn it off, if you stop the motor and you turn the plane off, the sea plane or the ski plane will just kind of sink into the slush. And then is, is a ski plane like a, an Indiana Jones thing? Like it's it's got pontoons? Is that what that is? No, it has skis. Oh. You take the pontoons off and you put skis on it. You can do that? Yeah. Wow. And then you land it on the snow. But if you land it on the deep snow, or particularly if you land it on deep snow in a in a swamp that isn't that where the ice doesn't freeze. You can get in trouble. You could, the skis can sink into the snow. I'm just and thinking you're... that, like, that with, I mean, not, I know very little about, you know, aeronautics, but it seems like a ski plane would be especially hard to take off with because you, you're really relying just on the propeller to get you moving. Yeah, but once you're up, it's like, it's like a water. I mean, if you land on like... ice, that would be one thing. But if you're on anywhere where, you know, any kind of incline, it seems like it'd be pretty tough to take off. It's tough. It's tough if you let this. If you let the plane sink, but if the plane, if you keep the plane moving, it stays up on top of the snow, mm-hmm. and then you're just you're just bobbing, you're just floating along on this little cushion of snow. It's quite, it's it's very easy to take off, but you have to kind of keep the plane moving. So when we when we fly up to this cabin in the winter, the also the plane only seats two people: the pilot and the passenger. So to go up there with a small group of people, you have to go up in multiple trips. <laughs> So what happens is the plane lands on the snow. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? The plane lands on the snow, but the pilot has to kind of keep the plane moving, slowly moving along the swamp. And you throw open the door, and you start throwing your bags out into the snow. And then you throw your snowshoes out, and then you jump out of the plane, and the plane just kind of keeps moving. And so you jump out onto your snowshoes, and you go, bye, and he goes, bye, and then he hits the gas, and he flies away, and then you're alone on the swamp and you wait there until God, wait there. The, every aspect of this sounds like a John Carpenter movie. You wait there for 45 minutes until Kurt Russell comes. <laughs> and then there's a, then there's a dog that has been infected with some kind of alien, uh, kind of guy in a William Shatner mask, super bug. But anyway, so when you leave the cabin 10 days, two weeks later, you have to leave via the same method. So oh, you have, it's a, kind of, it's kind of in motion. Well, first of all, one at a time, and second of all, right. yeah, you kind of the plane like lands and keeps the motor running, like and it's like just, a cable car. You got to just kind of jump on. Yeah, it's just kind of it's just puttering along. It's not moving fast, but it's just like puttering along, and you just throw your stuff in. You get up on the ski, and then you climb in the plane, and then off you go. And so when you leave, but of, but of course, there's no. I mean, back then we didn't have cell phones, and even even if you did, I, I'm not even sure there would be cell phone service there. 
I but, really doubt it. But at the time, we had a pre-appointed time when the plane would come get us. <laughs> like noon on Sunday, he's just going to fly fly out there and, and we should be waiting. And one time, I was... Uh, and we, we, uh, while we were at the cabin, um, we'd seen a bear kind of over on the... You know the forest edge, and and my friend's dad had had multiple kind of encounters with bears at the at the cabin, and his feeling about them was that a bear couldn't tell the difference between a window and a door and a wall. The bear would just kind of hammer on the outside of the cabin, and you would sit inside just kind of hoping that the bear didn't figure out that a window was less uh, solid. Oh my god! You know the bear would just kind of pound on the door, and then. You'd have the door barred. And at one point, my friend's dad went out. He had a sawed-off shotgun. He went out and shot the gun in the air to scare the bear, and the gun exploded in his hand, and then his hand was all shredded, and he had had to get the... (laughs) Then he had to to wait two days and jump onto a moving plane? No, then he had... So he got the shortwave radio out from under the cabin and fired up the gas generator to power the (laughs) shortwave. Like the little Scatman Carruthers radio? Exactly. Come in, come in. Mayday, mayday. But anyway, so one time, I, I, I drew the short straw. I was first one out on the day that we were leaving. And I went on my snowshoes with my bag, and I snowshoed out across the, the little frozen lake in front of the cabin and See, into two, the Two forest. miles now? How far? Yeah, yeah, a couple of miles. So you go across <laughs> Two the, miles in the snow? Yeah. Oh, we would snowshoe a lot longer than that, but but it, but it, it's a tr- it's a trudge, and you're carrying a bag. You're carrying a bag. Is it? Is so, it? Is it, it's, it's, it's. I know you're near the big uh, Denali thing, but is the air thin there? No, that's we're down. We're not up in the. Right. We're not up high okay. at the cabin. But it's you know it's it's cold. It's thirty below zero or something. And so so you <laughs> snowshoe across the lake, and then you snowshoe through the forest, and you you got a, a mile or. Or, or a mile and a half through the forest, and then you come out the other side of the forest, and you're in the swamp, and you walk out on the swamp, and then the plane arrives. Well, so I'm walking, do 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 do, being my you know my like John on snowshoes in the forest thing, <laughs> do 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 do, and uh, and just as I clear the forest on the other side. I hear like shotgun and I'm like, Whoa, what the hell? You know, but it's not the craziest thing to hear in Alaska shotgun. That would be an apology, (laughs) but I kind of, you know, I have a pistol and so I kind of like have my hand on my pistol in case. Is, Is this all true? What do you mean? Is it all true? You, you snowshoed two miles toward a swamp where a plane on skis would take off. Somebody shot a shotgun, but it's okay because you had a sidearm? Well, it wasn't okay, but I mean, I had no. a sidearm, and that, that was where I... That, if, it were, if the shotgun were a crazy person, mm-hmm. not a crazy person, but if the shotgun were, let's say, for instance, a crazy trapper had oh, like gone, somebody was shooting, like, erratically. Yeah, or somebody had gone and was shooting my friend. Right. Like I wasn't out there. I wasn't out there with a pack of chewing gum and a slingshot. But you're you must at this point be wondering 
what, I'm wondering why, why the shooting. Right, exactly. So I, I get I get a little bit of distance from the forest line so that I can look back at the forest and see what's coming. And 15 minutes, half an hour later, here comes my friend, Peter. And he has the shotgun. And he's out of breath. He's been running like crazy. And he says, you know, you got to come with me. And we walk back through the forest. And we get back to about halfway through the forest. And he shows me, he describes that as he was walking across the lake, about halfway, so he, he, he had timed his, he had timed leaving the cabin for a half an hour after I had left the cabin. And as he was walking across the lake, he sees big, huge brown bear tracks that were walking perpendicular to my snowshoe tracks. And they stopped at my snowshoe tracks and then turned and followed my snowshoe tracks into the forest. And so Peter, when he arrived at this point where the bear, the bear connected with where, you know, my fresh tracks and then turned and started tracking me. When Peter hit that point, he started shooting his gun in the air and running toward me, just like firing the gun, firing the gun. And halfway through the forest, about the point, about about the point in time where Peter would have started shooting, the bear left his tracking of me and like went off into the went off into the bushes and all this was in the course of a half an hour. Oh my god. So anyway. And so I mean I never if, saw the bear. If, if Peter hadn't been there but he was uh, well the bear was a uh, was you know bear, bear, five, I mean, 500 wrong, yards behind me bear, and bears can tear side. ass when they need to, right? Oh yeah, he was he was, you know. But I mean they could they could outrun in a, at least in a straight line they could outrun a person. Oh, for sure. And the thing is, I was just do 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 da 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 da. Just like John on, I, John on snowshoes in the forest thing. I would not have heard the bear oh or been aware of the bear. The bear would have been behind me, and I, and you know, it, who knows to speculate what the bear would have done when he realized that he he wasn't just tracking some chump when he saw me and he realized that I was a a bear of a man. I think he still would have been unimpressed. They have a, an, like a an uncanny sense of smell, right? Yes, they are. They are. They hunt by smell. Well, I mean, the reason I first of all, that's uh, a fucking insane story, John. Uh, but I don't wear I don't wear fragrance. So no, it's, and you don't yeah. you don't use uh, shaving cream, right? Like the Viet Cong, right? But right? so, but the bear, unlike the Viet Cong, the bear probably knew a lot about me. Just from smelling me in the air. Oh, they're like probably, rangers. Well, they can, they can, uh, they can track. Yeah, he probably had, he probably had my number pretty good. Well, um, you know, we've done a little just uh, just a, in terms of my own adventure stories, <clears throat> we've done something called car camping, where you, where you pull up your car yeah. and you take ten steps and then you put a tent down. You have a, a Coleman cooler. It's a Coleman. It's a pretty nice one. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Got a gun. Um, <laughs> But they, they are, you know, uh, it's, you know, wavy gravy, California, bleh, camping site. But they're real, real super clear about making sure, like, no, seriously, you really, really need to use the bear box. This is this is not like a funny, like, haha, amuse the tourists, there might be bears. No, there literally are bears here, and they will come to your campsite 
and if and like they will smell your food and they will smell everything. They will smell your pee and poo. They will they will smell your babies. Like mm-hmm. keep the food in the bear box. And it sounds like the bears. I mean, they're they're. I don't say domesticated. That's the wrong word. But they definitely ain't scared of humans. Like they're the, the California <laughs> car camping bears are not scared of humans. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're they're ten and two this season. They're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but it was true. And I mean, you would just see them just moseying around. And and uh, those I, are black bears. I I'm not sh- sure if that's it might be ping pong. I'm not sure if that's uh, correct. It is correct uh, because the last brown bear in California, I think, was eradicated. The, there is a brown bear on the California flag. Mm-hmm. The state flag of California has a has a grizzly bear on it, but there are no. Is that right? Grizzly bears in California anymore? Huh? They were all killed. And now by now we got black bears, but no brown bears. Black bears, but no brown bears, hmm. and black bears are. Uh are much smaller and much more I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't run up to a wild black bear and hug it but they are much more sort of berry eating they like a bowl of muesli and yogurt mm-hmm. they like to a little bit of fresh air they like to talk about their feelings mm-hmm. um jewish summer they, camp they like to rummage in the in the in the footlocker looking for the bug spray like they are they are a gentler smaller kind of bear the brown bear is um is a monster it our, is a our, uh, our our zoo um is really bad in a lot of ways um it's it's interesting in its way I, we should visit there together our, my daughter loves to go there it's a lot of fun uh <laughs> It's very poorly made. It's kind of like a mall, and no matter where you stand at our zoo, you feel like you're standing in back of whatever you're supposed to be looking at. (laughs) You ever been in a place like that where you're like, I always feel like I'm in the wrong place. It's kind of like being at the bottom of the hill. Like, there's nowhere to go where you don't feel like you're in the wrong place. Yeah. But for some reason, um, I mean, one of those – gosh, it's one of those names that you associate with lots of philanthropy. Somebody threw a metric shit ton of money at this grizzly bear display. Hewlett? Was it Hewlett? It could have been the Packards. It could have been the uh, Goldbergs. It could have been the – the, uh, the Robert Wood Johnsons. I don't know, but but there's a there's a very very spacious. There's this one polar bear. <laughs> there's one little sad polar bear in what looks like a kiosk from the mall, and it's just uh-huh. just sitting out there. But the fucking grizzly bears, man, they have got this entire giant area that includes like you know one of those Sea World sort of things where you can walk down and look under the water and see them, and you can go to this different area to see them from this different vantage point. And I'm, I mean, and, and what's cool is when you go to the little uh, underground, like the water area, they uh, they've put bear sized footprints in the concrete so you can see. And you know, Eleanor likes to to walk on this, and they're like, and they're maybe not a foot across, but they they've got to be like at least like eight inches across. And then you see these things just ambling around, and they they they, they look like a like a fat man, like a, a fat man who used to do kung fu who's had like three martinis. Like they're mm-hmm. they're very they're ambling. Do you know what I mean? But there's something oh, about them where just like a glancing blow knocks a fucking tree down. They're yeah, just, yeah, they're, they're it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, like it's, they are prehistoric. Uh, their they heads do are, have, they have that vibe. They have that like, not like a brachiosaurus, but they've got that kind of weird tapered dinosaur neck. Yeah. Their heads are, are the size of an armchair. They're really, um, and polar bears are also, Enormous. There, there was a polar. No, ours polar is bear. not. Ours looks like a recently divorced man. 
He's a sad guy. You should see him. Sad, there's, there's a little. There's a little. Uh, there's a little train you can ride around the zoo, and you just you're, you're right by the polar bear, and he just he just looks like nobody returns his calls. <laughs> he sits up on his hind, hind or sits up on his haunch and just kind of waves one lonely hand at the train. <laughs> there was a polar, a polar like that one, bear. That one guy in your neighborhood on the lawn chair. <laughs> it looks like uh, I'm a veteran. There was a polar bear at the Anchorage Zoo for many years whose uh, name was Binky. Binky the polar bear. And every once in a while, some drunk kid would scale the fence. Is this John Hodgman? (laughs) No. Some drunk some drunk Anchorage kid. It was it was a thing that happened periodically. Some kid would scale the fence to either taunt the bear or on a dare. Or because the bear seemed to be sleeping, or because the bear was all the bear was sleeping, all the way across the enclosure, or some other reason that some kid thought it was a good idea to climb the fence into the bear enclosure, and routinely Binky would go from fully asleep, like balanced on a truck tire or whatever it is that bears do in those zoos, like fully asleep. 200 yards away, Binky would go from, like, unconscious to on this kid in the blink of an eye. And one really? time, one time he got a kid and the newspapers reported it as delicately as they could. But the, but the gist of it was that Binky had bit this kid's dick off. <laughs> That the kid, the teenager, made it to the fence. He made like, an example of it. He got in there. He got into the thing, and and you know, Binky was asleep all the way over there. And then all of a sudden, Binky was not asleep anymore. And Binky is the size of a of a, of a locomotive. And Binky is coming at you very fast. Oh, and this no. kid, this kid ran to the fence, and he, you know, he got he got halfway up the wall, and Binky just got him right in the right in the the package. Aww. And there's a there's a famous photo if you want to Google it mm-hmm. of Binky carrying this kid's shoe around in his mouth. They couldn't get the shoe away from him, and for I don't know how long Binky just was like, "It's my shoe now." If he if he could, if he would have mounted it on his wall. And he had this he had this Nike this this kid's Nike that he just like it was his toy. He just carried it around, and the zoo was mortified. It's not a thing that you want. You don't want people coming to the zoo and seeing your polar bear like proudly carrying this kid's shoe around in his mouth. But but you it's, know, a, it's a fucking bear. How I do mean, you get it away you, from the guy? That's the you thing. Know? Is like, what do you expect? You know, yeah, you want to, I mean, I think they could have gone in with like a chicken and tried to trade. Like, <laughs> we'll give you a chicken. You give us the shoe, but <laughs> throw me the whip. Uh, there's a there's a great there's a great picture of him with that shoe. I think you will. Well, you, you know will. our zoo, uh, and it really is a mess. God bless them. You know we're members there. We're part of the San Francisco Zoological Society. Of course you are. Yeah, which means we pay a hundred dollars a year to go as much as we want. But um, but Drive you know your green we, we Subaru out back there. Oh sure, we do. We uh, we bring along a vegan lunch. We eat all of it. Uh, we get we give some away to a to a poor man. We uh, we've pour, had some pour pro- some almond mi- milk out for your dead homie. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh we've had problems at our zoo i don't know if you remember i think it was on i want to say like christmas day a couple three years ago like somebody some same deal somebody broke into the zoo and got into the tiger area the tigers 
I, th- I think if memory serves, yeah, yeah, and it did not turn out great. Uh, Arvzu lost its lost its elephant credentials. Whoa. You know, the elephants, I think if you ask anybody who's a zoo person, they'll tell you that one of the big draws in the zoo world is having elephants. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to see an elephant. It's not a zoo without an elephant. They withdrew our our, uh, our, our elephant rights. They took your elephant away. Yeah, I think I think an elephant, at least one elephant died at the zoo. Yeah, you can't, you know, elephants just kind of are spaced, very sensitive. I think, I think they kind of spaced it. There's a lot of stuff that happens there where you're kind of like, oh... You know, I meant to take care of that thing. Like, there's a lot of like you know, you can wander around. There's just empty displays. There's very, there's very uh, thin-looking jungle cats. It's a, it's a really weird zoo. But Did those I, I, I uh, grizzlies are doing the, great, just for what it's worth. I told you about the elephant sanctuary, right? No, I don't think you have. At some point, <laughs> at some point, uh, I, uh, I don't know how I, I don't know how I arrived. I at worry, this. I worry. I secretly worry and wonder how, how long will we really be able to do the show? I, I don't know. And then, then I realized that, that you literally have thousands of stories that, that I assume are true. This isn't a story. This isn't a story that involves me directly, okay. All right. but <clears throat> some, somehow, uh, as I was, uh, Oh, you know what it was? I realized a, a certain point five or six years ago, I was trying to make my, I was trying to be a bachelor. You remember this? I, w- I bought a house. Oh yeah. I was trying, trying to be a hip bachelor guy. I was going to get some leather couches. I was going to get a big screen TV and I was going to sit in my house. I was going to wear a, a velvet smoking jacket and I was going to fill my house with art. Sort of like a mini Hugh Hefner. This was my vision. Or Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. Exactly. And then I realized yes, that I didn't you're, want- you're, you're a man of means. I was at the time. Yeah. And, I, and, and then I realized very quickly that I didn't want a leather couch and that I had no use for a big TV. And then I was kind of at sea. Nothing good's ever happened on a leather couch. Nothing at all. You're absolutely right. I did not need, I did not need one more place to sit and uncomfortably sweat. Mm. But I wanted, to have my, I wanted to have my house filled with art. Our, uh, you're and my good friend Jason Finn, mm-hmm. drummer of the Presidents of the United States of America... He has, you would not believe this, you would not believe looking at him because he is a, he's a terrible person, uh, but he has this very, very great art collection that he has, that he has developed and curated. A lot of people with crazy eyes have nice art. You know, you know, like 25 years he's been collecting art and he does these, he does these things where he goes to like student art shows and he has developed an eye enough that he buys this. He's art got a crazy for, eye for art. He's got a crazy eye for art. Huh. And he, you know, he, he spends a hundred bucks on a painting from a guy and five years later, everybody's talking about the, the painter. And he's like, yeah, I got that for a hundred bucks at an art show, student art show. And you're just like, what an asshole. Like, how dare you be successful at this? But anyway, so Jason Finn being a being a model for me, being being someone that I that you know he's sort of a mentor because he's older than I am. Um, I decided I was going to get into this this uh, I was going to get some art for my house, art that wasn't just like old posters of topless girls that had been lacquered to plywood <laughs> again and then again Scatman Brothers. You're going to go beyond <laughs> like having like a uh, like like a, a poster of Klimt's The Kiss on uh, foam core, like really really spread yeah. out. Right, right, right. No more Dallas Cowboy cheerleader montage. We're we talking post- about like like ironist outsider art kind of art, or well, so like actual the, legitimate cool stuff. This was the thing. Like I have an I have an aesthetic. Is Jason the one that has the room full of art you described that time? Is that Jason? 
of art that I you, you were describing some I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you were describing a friend of yours who like has has like sought out like amazing like thrift store paintings that are actually like No, no, no. Jason actually Jason eschews thrift stores. He is a fancy boy. He buys already art. He buys arty art. Yeah, this isn't like found art. This is like art by artists. So I'm, so I, you know, I've got a house full of thrift store art, but I wanted to get some art art. And I'm looking around and I don't know anything about it. And I'm looking at this and it's like, that's, that thing is 1500 bucks. It's just a, it's just a, like I've seen refrigerator magnets that I like more than this thing. And I'm, I'm going to art galleries and I, and I just don't, I don't, I don't feel it. I'm, I don't feel part of that culture. And then I learn elephants make art <laughs> that they give elephants paintbrushes and then they sell those elephant paintings hmm. to to pay for elephant chow hmm. that it's some kind of thing where the elephants are actually they're actually working for their bowl of food have you seen this actually happen yes yes hmm. they give elephants paintbrushes and paint and the elephants love it. They're super excited. And they express themselves in paint. Hmm. And they do these like kind of amazing paintings. And I said, I do not care about student artists really enough to pay $1,600, let alone $20,000. They're students. Yeah. It's and not it, like it's and professional. Once they're not students, then they want real money for their paintings. Ugh. But elephants... Mm. I will totally buy a painting for from an elephant. <laughs> so I go on and I'm looking at all the elephant paintings and they're talking about, you know, and the, the, and the copy for these elephant paintings is being written by some elephant trainer, <laughs> not like an art curator. The elephant trainers are like, Maisie was so happy this day and she painted this painting and you can see how happy she is because she used so much yellow. Oh, I'm like, that is a terrible description of that painting. That painting is saying a lot more to me than that Maisie's happy. I'm feeling what Maisie's laying down. I'm picking up what she's laying down in this painting. But here's the problem. Just like when I got into Afghani war rugs, <laughs> all the ones that I really liked, oh, all, right. the Af- mm-hmm. all the Afghani war rugs that had like, had, you know, MiG 27s in them, they were all sold already. And all the elephant paintings I really liked were sold. And the, the ones that were still for sale were like all these ones, you know, all these brown ones. Anyway, so I followed the, I followed the elephant thread and I discovered the elephant sanctuary, which is in Tennessee. These people bought like, um, like 50,000 acres of rolling Tennessee hills. And they take all these elephants that have spent their whole lives, like, li- like working in the circus and living in a living in a tiny little cement room, and get all these elephants that were like chained to a six foot length of chain, and they have permanent scars on their on their little elephant wrists from twenty years being chained to a floor. Ah. All these elephants with post-traumatic stress disorder. All these elephants who'd had their babies taken away and who'd been—it's like like uh, child soldiers meets uh, like Dumbo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Ugh. Elephants who had been traumatized and they are brought 
to this elephant sanctuary and they are turned loose mm. to live out their lives. And just just paint whatever they want. Just frolicking in Tennessee, which is Tennessee, as you know, is the Africa of America. Or at least, <laughs> at least the India of America. Oh, God. And, you know, they roll oh, in the my mud. God. They, oh, they, they, you're they, lucky. You're lucky they can't write. They party with other elephants. They mm. get to know each other. They mm-hmm. like. They they play slap and tickle, or they do whatever elephants do. Mm-hmm. And it's this great. It's they're, they're, they're very social animals. They're very social, and you know, and of course, of course, a lot of them are girl elephants. So there's some socialize. There's some like you know. They is have is that a us- Chinese baby kind of thing? Mm, like oh, people only yeah. want to adopt the uh, the male. I think so. I think I think having a boy elephant is. I mean, I, they're a lot bigger and they're a lot. I don't know, meaner maybe. Mm-hmm. But you know, and, this, and they're, they're they're like they're they're social. So somebody's gonna somebody's gonna be ostracized, and one of the elephants is, you know, gonna be like. But that's how they do. You got to let them be how they are. You know, you got to let them how be how they do. So anyway, I'm a big supporter of the elephant sanctuary in Tennessee, and I go to their website all the time. <laughs> and every time I see an elephant. That's in a zoo or that's doing some work in the world. I'm like, mm-hmm. elephant sanctuary. I whispered in their ear. I'm like, Psst, elephant sanctuary. Hmm. You know, I've I've always I, I, our next door neighbor when I was in junior high uh, collected elephants, and I realized on on, on the what? first hmm? no, well, you know, elephant related things. <laughs> oh, didn't collect the animals. It was in. I was going to say an elephant collection, <laughs> tract housing, but but uh, <laughs> but I realized what a gift it is to everyone in your life. We've talked about this. You know, if you have a collection, like in your case, think about all the things. If somebody figured out how to reach you, that they could give you as a gift because they know you like a Braille Playboy, <clears throat> you like a cowboy hat, you like True. a nice, a nice uh, candelabra. None of that cheap stuff. That's right. Right. It's a gift. Do you give? Do you give to your friends? Ray Bans. I collect Ray Bans. Uh, I, I, any kind of birthday party or any kind of housewarming gift you want to bring me, Ray Bans on. Hmm. I'm in. You're in. Yeah. Um, but if, but in her case, you could bring her an elephant. It's because now, I mean, you know, the thing is, it's it's you always know. So if you go somewhere, if you go to uh, to Gatlinburg, which is in the Africa of America, you, you know that you can get an elephant thing and you give it to her, and, and it's a wonderful gift, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in your case, it sounds to me like you are like my aged neighbor. In Pasco County, Florida, you're giving a gift to people. You're saying if you wanted to give me something. It can't be cheap and cheesy, but right. give me some nice elephant created art. And that's wow. something that you could do for me. Cause it's, spe- yeah. you know what? It's specific. It's nice elephant to be art. specific. I mean, how many times when you were a kid did you get like the off brand big gym or something? You know? Right, exactly. When my mom brought me stadias instead of, you remember, you remember the iconic white Nikes with the blue stripe? Yeah. And then you remember the stadia? Tennis shoes. I remember there was a number of ones where the, where the swoosh was was legally squared off. This swoosh, or just too, a little too round and fruity. Yeah, it wasn't just that it was round. The swoosh was actually a whale. Oh, I do remember that. Remember I the blocked whale it shoes? out. I had J.C. Penney's fake uh, Adidas with with four stripes. Oh yeah. 
You can I, see um, those. You see those kids a mile away. And I was the kid with the stadiums. My mom was like, "Those Nikes are eighty bucks." Mine were uh, a bluish purple with orange stripes, four orange stripes. Those actually sound kind of cool. Now they do. Yeah, they call them I kicks. Actually, I, wish, I wish I had those stadiums. I now. wish I had all of mine. Oh Stadia. my god. I think I am very reluctant to talk about this because I think I got scammed recently by an animal artist. Yeah, I'm, I'm not real comfortable talking about it, but I, I've got a bad feeling about this. Like a lot of uh, white people, I heard a thing on NPR mm-hmm. about cheetah, and and cheetah, the is, monkey, it's a chimp, John. Sorry, cheetah, cheetah was the chimp from the Tarzan movies. Right. Do you know about this? Well, I know about cheetah, the chimp from the Tarzan. Movies. Well, long story short, cheetah. Uh, you know, chimps get old. People don't realize this. Chimps are real yeah. cute when they're running around in diapers when they're a few months old, but then they turn into like, you know, basically imagine an insane, senile, shit-throwing five-year-old have fun for 80 years, right? So you, right. Get, a, you get a chimp. Elvis learned this, right? Elvis learned this with uh, with uh, with his uh, – he used to masturbate in front of his guests. He thought that was funny, you know? That is kind of funny. He's from Tennessee. Can you imagine uh, being at Elvis' <laughs> house and a chimp is masturbating? <laughs> Check it out, man. <laughs> He's getting right in there. But no, chimps will eat your face. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. They'll tear all kinds of stuff off. They're uh, they're ornery, and, uh, and you know, and so so anyway, I heard this thing that that, uh, and this this part I'm pretty sure is true, which is that cheetah was being, and I'm not going to Google this, but cheetah was now being cared for uh, at this sanctuary. And like, how cool is that cheetah? Like I grew up like watching, you know, those terrible, terrible Tarzan movies. How cool is it that of all those people, like cheetah of all those still people alive. is still alive. Johnny Weissmuller is dead, but Long cheetah dead, lives. like so many Olympians dead. Uh, and the way that they were subsidizing cheetahs, um, keep was yeah. that cheetah did paintings. Right. For his cheetah chow. <laughs> that's how he earned his cheetah chow. So like a lot of people, I think I heard about this on NPR, by which I mean, I'm positive. I heard about this on NPR. <laughs> I mean, this, this, it's got the stink of all things considered. It sure all does. It sure does. I can hear the theme. <laughs> I'm music. Robert Siegel. <laughs> bing, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> cheetah paintings, cheetah paintings. And, uh, and so I went to the, went to the, went to the site and if memory serves, I went to a form where I selected what colors I would like cheetah to use. And I, I forget how much we paid for it, but we bought a cheetah painting. Now, wait, are you saying that you not only bought a cheetah painting, but that you commissioned a cheetah painting? Oh, shit, yeah. It's in my house. Yeah. How, how have I never seen the cheetah painting? I've been in your house many times. <sighs> I, have, I have mixed feelings about the cheetah You're painting. You're afraid it's not, a, it's not an authentic cheetah. I, well, there's a couple levels to it. This is not super interesting, but I think there's a couple levels to it. First, I believe there is some controversy about whether that is, in fact, the canonical cheetah. I think oh. there is some concern that that might be like the cheetah at Avignon. Uh-huh. Second okay. cheetah or third cheetah even. That's right. Third location. Let's set uh-huh. that aside for a moment. Um, we got this painting and, uh, you know, it's on like a canvas you would buy at Flax or whatever. It's like, you know, on one of those. It's not like a, a stretched canvas. It's on one yeah. of those. Like it's like a big board. And Pre- it's like it's purple and yellow and it looks like a fucking chip made it. <laughs> all right that pretty seems much like pretty pretty much if you want to guess what a chimp smearing paint on like you know with not a whole lot of sense of negative space let's be honest yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. uh and you know mad and i this is years ago mad and i were like oh this is so cool we supported cheetah and then there's like you know it's along the lines of like when you have your dog sign the christmas card and you make it put its paw on there 
Uh-huh. But you aren't afraid to put three thumbprints on there to fake it, right? Right. So yeah. you're you're thinking that there was somebody with a cattle prod? I think that it's like, fucking bullshit. I think this dude got a little liquored up and made a cheetah painting, and that guy is making fucking bank off a of fake cheetah making fake paintings. That is my problem. I'm wow. Not, I see. This is what I live with, John. I, I, I can't prove it. I can't disprove it. I want to say nothing. Nothing against cheetah. Right, really. But, but there's something in the painting. There's it some... doesn't smell right. There's something. There's something. It's got a chimp stink on it. There's something about it that's not right. You know what? I've not tracked it down. When we're done here, I will do more research. If our listeners know, I would love to hear. But I have a feeling I got cheetah scammed. That's mm. all I'm saying. Mm. I'm very interested in the idea of uh, you know the people who would collect animal created art. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and that's. I mean, I have to say, if I didn't, if I didn't. If I was actually going to get an elephant painting, I would like. I would like to <laughs> I see. My pa- I got my painting. I'll never know. <laughs> I would like Dick to Kevin, see. Dick Kevin has an anecdote about that. He does. He does. Groucho Marx was One time there. Groucho was telling. Did if I would like to see at least a vine, at least a six-second video of the elephant actually painting my painting. You know, I don't want to just get a painting in the mail from an elephant sanctuary because the elephant sanctuary where the where the paintings are being done is in right. Thailand. Oh, give me a fucking break! Right, uh, so it's like, well, come on now. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want this. I don't want a, a repeat of well, this. I don't, I don't want to. I don't choice. want to make this about Hitler. But I'm very interested in the idea of provenance. You know, mm-hmm. when I first heard that, I, I guess in college and I guess painting class, I first heard about you know provenance and where this was, how we know where this came from. You know, I think most people know this from Antiques Roadshow. But you know, the whole idea of like you know, it's the chain of custody for this particular piece of art, right? Wouldn't you say? I would absolutely say. I mean, it's kind of what it means, right? We know that somebody made this, like Vincent Van Gogh gave this to his landlord, and the landlord rolled a joint in it, and like what, whatever. Like we, we right. know like how this got to where it was, right. and uh, I guess I, I, I don't want to be that like Pixar, it didn't happen guy, but yeah. you know, like for example, um, a a comic artist that I like a lot. Uh, who does a comic that I like a lot, drew me – my friend – actually, my friend Moises had him draw me a custom cover and sent it to me. And it's, it was kind of weird. Uh, well, first of all, it was fucking awesome. You know, it's Jean Grey. But it was also like it came with this like weird like little authenticity thing. And like I knew it was real because I know Dave and I know Moises and I know all new X-Men and I know that it looked right. Uh, but like I'm, I'm very interested in that, that whole idea of like how do you prove – that you know anybody did anything, and I, I guess what I'm getting at is you have to have a fucking video of the elephant making your art. It right. should just before you worry about shipping. You know, you know what you should do. You should send me a password protected Vimeo video of the fucking elephant making the fucking painting. Exactly. That's right. And I want to hold up a newspaper. I want to know what date it is. Well, now, so I want to make the, sure it's mine. I want you to mention my name in it. <laughs> I want I want the elephant to look me in the Tell eye. Tell me what the number one Billboard top <laughs> Hot 100 song is this week. Because you know how this is. The, yeah. the Viet Cong would do this all the time. You can oh, fucking sure. fake anything. Sure, sure, sure. They'd be they're faking Van Goghs right now. The Viet Cong are. Hmm. That's how they. That's how they keep that war going. Is that right? But Most, no, but, mostly underground. A, now I bet you they know, could shock an elephant in into tunnels. art. It's in the tunnels still. <laughs> But, but I, so I was thinking about this the other day. So I've got, I never throw anything away, as you know. And for many That's years. That's not entirely true. Well, it's not entirely true. But I, but there are things, there are things. You don't throw I away have, anything that, that, that doesn't smell unless you created the smell, generally. Yeah. And, and that is a perfect intro to what I'm about to describe, which hmm. is that 
for many years, I only wore Levi's. I, 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 I made the, I made the classic mistake that a lot of young guys make, which is that I found one piece of clothing that worked. It didn't, I, it didn't look the best on me. I wasn't like the, a Levi's model or anything like that, but Levi's were, you could get them cheap at Sears. And so I just, I got the, I got the unwashed kind. Get the, the raw 501s. Yeah. And so I wore Which Levi's I should mention, you got me back into, and all I wear now is five pairs of 501s. Thank you for making yeah. me feel bad. No, no, no. Well, I mean, no. Levi's, right? I mean, you know, un- uh, until they, until recently, the Levi's company uh, was taken over by by skinny pant hipsters who have no sense of history. Oh, my God, John. And go the- try and buy a pair of Levi's online. I don't even want to. It's completely even- baffling. They're making 600 pairs of pants, and they can't make their goddamn iconic jeans. They don't make the pants that I want anymore. Every pair that of Levi's I own came, came from a different country. I have Chilean uh, Levi's. Yeah, I have Mexican yeah. Levi's. Dominican Republic Levi's. You Mexican Levi's. Levi's are always taking a nap. Equatorial Guinea. Oh, <laughs> the Chinese Levi's are like, not me, hey, not, not me. me. <laughs> I got no soup. <laughs> Probably should want to buy another pair an hour later. Anyway, so I got all these Levi's, and what would happen is I would wear the Levi's until they were, until they were completely like white. No, no washing. The knees were no blown washing. out, and the and the cuffs were blown out, and the crotch was blown out, and then I would put patches all over them, and I would wear them until the until you could almost see through these pants. <laughs> it's not like you're in the and, cast of hair. <laughs> it was. I looked like I was in the cast of hair. And so for for thirty years I've been wearing these jeans, and when the Levi's finally get to the pl- point where they're just like, okay, now I do look like a hippie. I look like <laughs> I look like I'm in a band called Hippie Big Buckle, and I need to go to the store and get new jeans instead of throwing these these like super patchy hippie pants away. I would just carefully fold them i would you know wash them one more time carefully fold them and put them in a drawer oh god and so now here at my house i have a drawer it's no longer a drawer it is now a it's it's now basically a hope chest (laughs) with with 30 years of these jeans i have 25 pairs of completely patched but all made in America, all worn from, from like, uh, tin denim level all the way down to this tissue paper. And they're all size 36 waist and they're all 36 length. And they sit in this footlocker and every once in a while I look at, I open it and I look in it and I'm like, it's my whole life represented in, in worn out jeans. It's your life expressed in pants. There it is, my life in pants. And everything I ever did, I did in these pants. Every song I ever wrote, every every tour I ever went on, it was all it's all in these pants. That's unexpectedly poignant. Ugh. Yes, I totally agree. So, Ugh. but here's the thing. I don't want to go through the rest of my life with with a uh with this like submarine full of jeans that I'm carrying with me everywhere. You know, it's like a it's like a three, it's like a three man seal submarine. <laughs> At some point, you're going to be out, and your your lady is going to be poking around. She's gonna she's gonna open the big cedar box, and that, that well. So here's one of the thirty five years of pants. One of the things I'm worried about is that these pants are exactly the type of pants that girls like to steal from boys. Oh, and where like 
like cinched around their waist with a God, cute little that belt. Is so cute. It's so cute. Uh, and I don't want it to happen to big, my and like, a, like, and like a big shirt. No, I don't want. I don't want cute girls running around in my jeans. I've you could, prote- what the fuck are you talking about? You could have a totally like Jules and Jim situation in your goddamn bedroom. What's wrong I'm with you? Protecting these. She could draw on a mustache, John. No. So anyway, but your, your sense of history is clouding your vision. I'm, that's all I'm going to say oh, about that. You're absolutely right. It may be. It may be, and Jules, I should have Jules and Jim. And maybe I should have been giving away these jeans to girls for the last 25 years. Maybe, maybe I missed a big opportunity. Oh, but. But I, instead, I have been protecting these jeans. I don't know why. Right now, I have now I have a time capsule of jeans, and uh, and then then it pops into my head. Now wait a minute, I could put these jeans on eBay uh, as a lot. Twenty five pairs of ugh. jeans from the last thirty years, all made in America, all worn to paper thinness. And then I think, who's going to buy them? Who's going to buy that? And what are they going to do with them? Yeah, right. Like if if I if I sold that like to a costume designer who was who was rebooting hair, okay, mm-hmm. that that could be cool. You couldn't make these jeans. You could not weather these jeans with with modern technology. I think you're looking more at like Levi Sniffer Fifty Six. Like you're, you're, look, you're looking, you're looking at a guy with an efficiency apartment. Mm. Who's but been he's not going to want to sniff my Levi's. He's going to want to sniff girls' Levi's. I, I've had but offers. Then, I've had offers on shoes. But so then I say, now what if I put them on eBay mm-hmm. with the provenance? Oh, no question. You write. You write like I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But 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 you write. You write up a little thing on like what was happening at the time. Like these are my these are my check jeans. Yeah, these are the jeans that I wrote the song Cinnamon in. I played Mimi around a campfire and literally ate pasta with ketchup in these jeans. In these jeans. Now what am I bid? <laughs> and then I think... and, a bu- and a bunch of extremely creepy single men are holding up ping pong panels. <laughs> <laughs> Sold to the man with his hand in his pants. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.